Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. My name's Nate. Welcome to our Far Caspian episode, where we will be talking about Far Caspian's latest record, The Last Remaining Light. We hope you've already taken some time to listen through this album and gotten a good feel for what this album is and want to talk a little bit more detail. That is what we are here to do today. So, pack up. Uh, we are headed to Narnia. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my terrible joke segue, because... Far Caspian is from Leeds, um, so in the UK, and I read in an interview when they were asked uh, how they came up with their name that they said that uh, they all really liked the C.S. Lewis Narnia books growing up, and all of their favorite book was Prince Caspian, but they didn't want to be literal with it and be named Prince Caspian. Um but there's already a band Caspian out there, which if you are not aware of this band Caspian, you can check out one of our past episodes talking about the band Caspian. They are also awesome. So we might have a thing for Caspian bands. Um, and then they also thought about naming themselves Aslan. But apparently there's a band named Aslan out there, which I am realizing we just need to actually listen to this band because they're probably dope. And we'll probably do a uh, a um, episode on Aslan at some point because why not? It's Caspian adjacent. I'm sure we'll love it. And then uh, so yeah, they just changed the first word from Prince to Far, and here we have Far Caspian. So uh, Nate, did you know that about Far Caspian? You know, I did not know that at all. Yeah, and this is why I'm here for. Tidbits that uh, lengthen the podcast. Can I can I say um, something though? I've no I'm noticing a pattern yeah. though You're, between the last yeah. episode, which was Sleep Token, and this one. Yeah, I feel like you've been doing a lot more research lately. I I did do more research these episodes, and my one problem is I was afraid you'd notice, and that would be the <laughs> expectation, and I can't fly by the seat of my pants anymore. And you'll be like, Andrew, where's your fun tidbit for? expand yeah. and i'll be like um i like the record. i'll be like so who's the <laughs> and I'll have nothing. mother again what's her maiden name yeah yep and yeah i don't have that info for even this current band um i know a little bit more i, I could share i forget the guy's name i want to say jack i forget the lead singer's name but he basically started far caspian is just kind of a solo side project and then uh, wanted to kind of go full time, grab some of his buddies from local bands in, in the area, and they officially made Far Caspian, which I do think is maybe an interesting thing because if you listen to Far Caspian and even like some of the looks of the records and covers and stuff, you can get a feel for this being a solo project. Um, but at least from what I saw, they are a band. So we will treat them as such while talking about them. So I will, unless you I will say two things. things. I will say two things. One, yes, please. I think the lead singer, his name's Joel. Joel, I knew it was a J. Yeah, yeah good call. Um, and I don't think it's a band anymore. N- no, I think I or think it's, it's like just, from it's Indian not. Lakes. Okay, where, that's fair. Where it's like it's it, like touring. It was a band. Yep, they're touring guys, but. Joel, okay. Joel wrote this record himself. I'm pretty sure. I, I did I did know he did most of it. What was interesting is I went from listening and kind of a basic understanding of this being a solo guy to reading a little bit about how'd you come up with the band name and stuff, and it sounded very collaborative. Yeah. Um, well, so but the thing is, is I think on. it was a band. Like, I, yeah. I think everything okay. you said is right. I think it's changed recently yeah. in the past, like, Basically, once COVID hit, I think, and maybe yeah. maybe that's not right at all. But well, this interview was pre pre COVID. Everything that I was reading, because there's not a ton out there on Far Caspian. They're obviously, I think, a little underrated, which is why we would like to talk about them. Um, but uh, yeah, I wasn't. I didn't find like a ton yeah. of new stuff, but I should have researched longer. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, that's why we're we're doing this together. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, even uh, just to give some context for, well, actually, I want to share that the funny story first, yeah. which kind of leads into this context. So, um, Far Caspian, their <laughs> his last record, um, Ways to Get Out, is my so I'm setting up some like expectations and everything. Yeah. My yep. current record of the decade. So like yeah. of the 2020s. Now, yep. is that because I think it's some like triumphant feat that is like John like guiding the indie genre or like doing something absolutely nobody's done before? Nope, that's not at yes. all. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's I guess wrong. It is just a record that I think is so beautiful and brings me this wonderful sense of peace. Um, yeah. And it came out during COVID and uh, just like it, it really, I think it was a really helpful and therapeutic record for me. Yeah. Um, and so I had a lot of expectations uh, heading into to this new record. Um, yeah. And we knew that, the record was coming out um, in July uh, a few months yep. ago or a couple months ago. Yep. And yeah. we were talking about it on the uh, in between recording episodes. I was like, hey, Andrew, like, would you be interested in doing an episode on this? I know there's only like a couple singles out. I showed you one of the singles and. Yep. You were like, yeah, that's cool. And I was like, man, I'd love to like get our hands on an early copy of the record. And then you, the ne- we recorded the next episode. And you're like, hey, email us at long distance listening. And I'm like, yeah, I have not checked that email for months. And so <laughs> I went and I checked the email. And lo and behold, there was Joel's PR sent us a copy of the record. And it was like so funny because we like it, was. It, 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 the timing was perfect. And yep. I was like, hey, Andrew, I'm going to listen to this tonight. I'm so excited. Um, and I did. And I've listened to this record. You talked again on Sleep Token about listening to that record yeah. a lot. This has definitely been my most listened to record of the year in terms of hours yeah. and stuff. Yep. And uh, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about it. Because yes. even though you know about Farcastman, you've listened to them yep. before, it's one of those similar to Sleep Token. And uh, mo- I mean, most other artists we listen to, one of us likes it more than the other heading into a project. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm just curious to hear what they have to say. Yeah. So, yep. Andrew, is there anything you'd like yeah. to say about this record? Um. So, I'll give a little background, which is, I want to say, this was either in our top ten episode that you mentioned um, was it two years ago. That would yeah, have been 2021. Um. So, I think it was then that it was a top ten album for you. Yeah, it was like. And it was like, oh, wow, like I didn't know this album or it could have just been towards the end of that year. I just remember towards the end of that year, it was, oh, shoot, there's this album I should listen to. And basically, by the time I listened to it and really liked it, I think we're on to the next year. That almost happened to me. we try really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. It was probably like a week or two before we recorded our end of the year episode yeah. where it entered my top 10 and then yeah. it took too low of a position in my top 10. If we recorded a few weeks later, it would have been sure. number one, but yeah, it, the record yeah. kind of took us both by surprise. Yeah. So I remember really liking the album and I feel like we had talks beginning of that January, like do we do it or not? And then if I'm getting the years correct, like there was actually some early, 2022 records that came out like I'm remembering um like Under Oath came oh, out Oh yeah Under Oath was really early 22 Pine Grove came out early was, Yes Pine Grove yes 
Um, yeah, I remember that. Pedro early? Pedro was really was early. Like, yeah, you're right. It was yeah. those three records. So, so we basically had, like, we were like, should we do a Far Caspian episode, even though we try really hard to talk about current year's music? And it's like, well, we have these three big hitters for us, like bands we already know and like. Um, well, no, we won't dip and, and do Far Caspian. So um, I've listened since then a few times to that record, and it comes up. I have it in a playlist with, with a bunch of kind of more indie, shoegazy type of stuff. And, uh, and so I feel like I know... This is only his second record, yeah. like full record, yep. right? So I feel like I know both of his records pretty good um, now, obviously, with this second one. Um, but it's kind of crazy that we haven't talked about Far Caspian because it's an artist and an album that we both really liked, that first one, and it's just it didn't work. It was kind of that ships in the night type of deal. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about this album. Um Man, I don't want to jump ahead. Should I start of, talking then? Like, and you like or dislike? Well, I kind of want to. Yeah, no, this is way too far. I, I kind of want to know. Do you like this record more or less? Than oh, this? let's save. Yeah, let, let's save that for the end. But that's like kind of crazy. Um. So yeah, jump in. Talk. I think we can, well, we can compare without doing it on a like value basis. So I yeah, think that sounds the good. first record. What, and it's what I love about it, too. It's very, like, straightforward. Like, yes. there's very... I mean, yes, there's dynamics. He does crescendos at times. But, like, I mean, it's just so simple. Um, Where I feel like... And it's kind of... It's a record for me. It took me, like, ten listens to understand it. Mm-hmm. Because... It was so simple that I couldn't differentiate things. I was like, oh, yeah. all these songs sound the same. I'm like yeah. so lost in it. Um, yeah. But once I got it, it really stuck with me. But yeah. overall, this record, the new record, is so much more dynamic. There's a lot of different types of songs. And then he takes a, a bunch more uh, different types of strategies even though overall I would not say that's not my main like distinguishing point about the record. Oh, this is a dynamic record, but for him comparative to the last one, uh, it is that. And so right out of the gate, um, the first track, um, which is called commuter repeating that type of, uh, intro guitar lead is, really weird bonkers and it reminds like where this record reminds me much more of something like a different stuff like this reminds me more of like what a beacon school would do where it's like and the guitar tone sounds very similar definitely very bright um a different type of clean than the stereotypical clean just like bright pure um but just weird, like yeah. very different. Um, yeah. And so that being said, though, looking at the track list, there's still a lot of songs that are very straightforward. Um, yeah. Like you look at Choice, you look at First Warning Shot, mm-hmm. you look at even Ants, Pet Architect, Cyril, uh, mm-hmm. like, a, a handful of tracks are pretty consistent and straightforward, but yeah. then you have arbitrary track task, which is kind of weird all over the place a little bit. Own it crescendos big time. Last remaining light is this big build up. I feel like overall, yeah. um, yeah, lots of different types of sounds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think, yeah, maybe it's not fair to go back and forth between these records too much of like or dislike this one or not i think they are very different they're complementary in the sense of like it's not like he fully changes style but i really do appreciate it it feels like he found his style on the first one and it seems like he's willing to evolve on the second one yeah this is not a safe record 
for how amazing that first record was. He honestly could have copied and pasted, and I pro we'd probably still be doing this episode, and we'd probably still really like it. But then I think we would think that the ceiling for him as an artist is lower than it is because we wouldn't have seen him try all this new stuff, be more dynamic, um, change up tones and instruments, and get weird and funky at times that, that he did not on that first record. And I do think, to that point, when Commuter Repeating started, so, I don't, Nate and I kept talking about, should we listen together, should we listen together, and really wanted to, but our schedules just, I, I don't blame myself, my schedule wasn't working well for finding a listening, so then Nate's like, how about you just listen, and then we'll we'll talk first time on this podcast, so Nate has no real idea of my thoughts on this record, but the first time hearing Commuter repeating, I was like, wait, this is Far Caspian? Because that intro is so different. And, like, I think the production and some of the some of the tones are similar, but, but that grooviness is so, I mean, it's catchy. Um, but it kind of, when it drops in the verse, it starts to sound a little bit more like past Far Caspian, but the beginning was not at all what I expected. And I think really sets the stage for, hey, if you know... Far Caspian, this is going to be a little different, and hopefully you like it, which I do. It's a great album. Um, okay, I would like to talk, do you know much with the lyrics? Because that's something I really realized after a while, and one of the, um, one of the influences that they said in this old interview for the band was Tame Impala, which once <laughs> I saw that, I was like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. But, like, I didn't think about it when I was listening. But I think especially you hear that in the vocals. And the same way, I genuinely barely know any of Tame Impala's lyrics. Because to me, it's like his his voice is, um, is an instrument. It's not a voice trying to pass on amazing lyrics. And that's, like, I don't know Far Caspian's first album's lyrics. And even after I've listened to this quite a few times... I don't know many lyrics here. So I'd like to jump in just off the bat. We can talk vocals. But, um, yeah, with lyrics, themes, did you catch anything? Have you, yeah, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, some I, I couldn't write a paper on this record, sure. but I think the themes that I notice are growing up, um, religion, hope. Um, so like, for instance, with uh, commuter repeating and arbitrary task, um, own all those songs deal with this theme of like growing up. Like, all right, like I'm living the same routine every day. I'm doing this arbitrary task. I'm now I'm living on my own. I'm not with my family anymore. And just trying to like process and reconcile what life is once you're not a kid anymore. Um, and then like uh, Last Remaining Light feels more like a love song sort of almost. Mm -hmm. um, but then I forget which song. On his last record, I know, um, I think it's on, man, I'm on the spot now. I forget which track. It's like mm -hmm. track 11 or 12, he mentions God. Um, mm -hmm. And he definitely mentions God on one of these tracks. Um, but also on like Pet Architect, he says hope, hope is gone. Um I, I don't know, just like dealing with a lot of big issues like religion and hope and faith and love and yet also like very, I don't want to say small issues, but like what it's like to grow up and learning to be an adult. So for me, who's still trying to learn how to be an adult, I find it very relatable. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so then vocals. Um, I love his vocals. I, I'm realizing I'm like, 
I'm kind of a big fan of this vocal approach. Yeah. Like, it's maybe something I need to actually be more critical of because I kind of just really like someone whose voice isn't, like, I feel like unless you have something really important to say and you have to be really, like, like a David Bazan-type voice, oh, yeah. like his voice carries and it's like, it's not only an incredible voice, but like you have to listen because hanging on to what words. Bazan's saying lyrically yeah. is, yeah, just as important as anything happening. And I don't want to say that the lyrics for Far Caspian are not important. I'm sure they are. But what my ear is telling me from this vocal technique is like, hey, I'm just going to write really good melodies and cadences around everything, and it's just going to be smooth and easy. Yeah. And so the listening... It almost seems like it gives you an out, which I shouldn't take as often as I do. But it almost gives you an out to like not pay attention to the lyrics because, hey, the vocals are just an instrument here. Um, which, again, I probably need to be more critical and not just like, okay, I don't have to pay attention to the lyrics because of this approach. But I do love the vocal approach. I love the layering of the vocals. I think there's some really good harmonies. Um, there's one or two guest vocal appearances, um, with, I'm pretty sure it's not just him. seems like there's a female vocal on one or two of the tracks. I don't know who that is. I didn't research that well enough to know if it's a well-known person or just a friend, but, um, but I love the vocal approach and I like the layering of the vocals. And I think he writes really, um, really solid yet still interesting um, melodies and cadences for everything. So, you have any thoughts on vocals, approach, production, all that stuff? I mean, I I definitely feel exactly the same way. I think what I like about his vocals are he's not trying to prove anything. He's not like, mm-hmm. oh, you need to hear my voice. It's so incredible. He he uses his voice to help build up the song. And yeah. it's like you said, through melody, through cadence. I think he has some of the best melodies out there in terms yeah. of just like, just like so catchy or so mm-hmm. sweet sounding, like so beautiful. Um, and yeah, he, he he uses he always uses his voice to serve the song. I think is like my main yes. takeaway. Yes. Um, and we said very similar things again about a beacon school and they're very, I think mm. in the terms of what I listen to close comps, even though they're different. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I find myself caring a lot more about how does a voice help how does a voice blend with a with a project or a record or instruments more than how does it stand out for me just my taste um yeah so so yeah yeah it's like perfect for my for what i like yeah yeah and then yeah in terms um, of produ- in production real quick though uh that's great. i think it's i think they do so- such a good job on this record of having it sound both DIY and raw and also clean. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know how they do that, but it's like, yeah. you're not like, Oh, this is like pristine. This is immaculate. Everything's perfectly crisp, but it's like, it feels like somebody just did it in their, yeah room or in their garage but it sounds wicked good too like i i don't i don't i have a hard time explaining that it it's probably okay so the best example i'll give is i remember going to my one friend and being like did you know foo fighters like records their albums in their garage and my friend's like yeah but they use like the most expensive equipment and like they've sound treated their garage so like (laughs) It's a studio, basically, was his take, which which I feel like thinking of that and then thinking of this, 
what it sounds like to me because you're you're right on it sounds like it's recorded in a basement in a room just in in Joel's house but he has really nice equipment doing it yeah it's not cheap equipment doing it it's nice equipment so you get the clarity from everything but in the the approach or the sound it sounds like there's no engineer there's no like hey you go in this room and track this which i don't know actually how it's recorded that could be exactly what it is is a normal studio experience but it sounds like he's hitting record and then recording his own thing so even yeah. when i was kind of confused like this is the band but it really sounds like it's kind of one guy and i was just way off on that um it really sounds like it's a diy production so if it's not that They've done a good job of honoring that sound and getting that sound with clarity. I think if you get the ultra clean, high budget sound, like the mm-hmm. a record or an artist similar would be like Daywave. So I yes. think Daywave. I, has a I sim- thought about Daywave as a comp, exactly. but like they feel even Daywave felt more like a band. And what's funny because is of if, probably that production. Yeah, he's he's still a solo artist as well. Oh yeah, yep. And yet, this like you're saying the for Daywave, everything though sounds like immaculate. Everything's like yes. so yes. crystal clear. Like, but they choose to muddy this record a bit more, which I I like. It's almost like. They, they're putting a VHS filter on a Blu-ray. Uh-huh. Like, where it's... That's so good. It's like, like they have the ability... They have it all there, but they're very intentionally yeah. choosing to, like, muddy it up. Yeah. Um, yes. And just for an aesthetic or for a stylistic choice, which I... I, have, I think we talked about this. You've seen The Bear or something? Yeah, Tori and I are I in the middle the of season two right now. Like, I think especially season one... Some of the shots feel like that, like, 90s grunge. Yeah. And, like, it's with probably some of the most expensive cameras. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's like, a fully, uh, like, I to- I get everything you're saying from a visual standpoint, and they're just doing that with audio. Exactly. I think that's great. Um, um, all is right. there anything else? Should we talk some other instruments? Like, yeah. I think, I think the standout instrument besides his voice I guess there's two. You'll get some piano and synth work, um, but I would say it's just the guitar. Oh, yeah. Um, the drums are there to support the instruments. Um, bass feels the very same. Not that there's not great drum grooves, but the drums are never doing a groove that is not supporting the guitar's groove, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, even the groove that it's doing in commuter repeating, that, like, really yeah like that thing it's because of the guitar strum like that's at least how it's presented in this so um it's not that those instruments are bad they're really good but i think because they're supporting the guitar the guitar has to be the standout instrument to me um again you do get some really good um synth and piano work on the album occasionally too um and even doubled up with some nice guitar uh work in there um on top of that, but I would say guitars stand out, and I love the guitar work. I love the guitar tone. Um, standouts for me in guitar, I would say commuter repeating, own, and I really like last remaining life mm-hmm. um, for guitar too. Those are probably my three favorites. Um, own though, the reason it's in there talking about guitar is it's the weirdest guitar. They do this uh, weird like detuning and retuning guitar part um, there early on. And honestly, I did not like that part right away. Um, it was weird, and it was kind of freaking my ears <laughs> out. Um, but it's maybe one of the most unique things I've heard in indie music in a while, honestly. I, to me, it's it's kind of mind-blowing. Um, but it's unique in like a maybe right away you hate it, maybe later down the line you'll like it. Um, and then it's like does this long swell at the end with much more straightforward guitar. So, um, yeah, but sorry, that's no. 
my talk about guitars. Uh, you have anything to add there, please? Uh, yeah. I when I think of indie uh music, it's um my um to give a side story. My mom, uh, there's this kid at their church who's getting uh really into like electric and acoustic. He's learn he's learning both, or he plays both. And she asked for some like album recommendations. And Far Caspian was somebody who came to mind for electric because yeah. for me, what I, and this is coming from a non musical person. Um, and so I'd love to actually hear your thoughts on this because I have no idea. But yeah. for me, what Far Caspian sounds like for the most part is like really great creative thoughtful guitar work that's really simple yep. to play i agree i think that's what makes own so weird is like you don't think he's going to do something crazy out there most of his guitar parts is like i i always call it the cold play approach which is kind of the u2 approach which is kind of i mean you can <laughs> go back however far you want but like Sometimes you find incredible musicians writing guitar parts that are just an extension of the vocals in the sense of the melody that it chooses. If it's a lead part, the melody it chooses, you could sing the melody or you could just play it on guitar with the cool effects. Um, that it's not overly complicated. You're not looking for this crazy like, oh, here's my guitar solo. Let me show everything off. So I actually think Joel is an incredibly good guitarist. And I think there's this purposeful, I'm going to limit myself. It doesn't feel like Joel is playing anywhere near his max capability, but I don't think that the style fits a max capability guitar part. So um, I think it's great for someone just learning because you'll get a lot of just chord-based stuff that's not even leads, and the leads that are chosen are tasteful and simple. Yeah, they're not terribly hard, so I agree. I think that's a great choice. What he reminds me of, and this what I'm about to say has absolutely no basis, no grounding, and it's probably a stupid thing to say. But <laughs> um, what I would guess, and I could be wrong, maybe he's playing these types of guitar leads because it's like his peak performance. Maybe he is pushing himself. It could be. It could be. But I wonder if he's more of like that John Mayer. And not that, obviously, John Mayer has some guitar parts like Neon, which are like crazy. But generally speaking, it's like, hey, I know I'm a filthy good guitar player, but I want to write pop songs. Like, I want to write yeah. like just like hits. And that's kind of the say, and that might not be true for Joel, but that's kind of the but vibe yeah. I get. But it could be. Yeah. Yep. I think I think you find actually if you look at John Mayer, which we this isn't a John Mayer episode, but like you'll find early in his career um, moments that it seemed like he was trying to prove how good a guitarist he was, and then you notice, especially with some of his more acoustic albums, and then since then doing a little bit more synth pop um, sound, it's kind of like John's like I've proved myself. Everyone knows I'm a great guitarist. I can just make good music. Yeah. I don't have to prove that aspect of me. And um, and so it's almost this like humbling like yourself or like just a mature approach of like I don't have to prove myself. And so, well, no matter what the approach is, it feels like a mature approach to me. It feels like Joel could play circles around what he's doing, but he's chosen the mature approach of like I don't need to prove anything. With my skill, I just want it to fit the song and fit the style best, and I think he nails it. Yeah, I mean, and for the, to ostracize, I mean, we're talking about music, to ostracize maybe anybody who's not a sports person, I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> for instance, like, Patrick Mahomes. Brady. Oh, I was expecting Brady. Well, no, because Brady can't, oh. <laughs> Brady can't do the special uh stuff yeah. for the most part yeah. and on a physical no. standpoint i see what you're saying but like if patrick mahomes is playing a great game and his team is playing a great game it looks kind of boring yeah and it's pretty simple yeah, that's a good point and that's whatever and yep. 
yes, he has the capabilities of doing crazy things, but if he's doing crazy things, that means something's going wrong. And I'm not, this isn't meant to be like a full comp with music, but you'll see athletes at times try and be a little too flashy and that ends up hurting them where at the end of the day, the goal is to score points in this game. And for musicians, like songwriters specifically, your goal isn't to be impressive from a technical standpoint, though you can be. Your goal should be to write good songs. And if you can write a good song while flexing your capabilities, that's great. Yeah, do it. But at the end of the day, great music should come before flex. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. I think uh, think that's great. I was going to tag on that. I forget his name, but the Sixer won the slam dunk contest. Who's not a starter for the Sixers because he's like <laughs> not a great player. Yeah. But it's like Flash is not Flash doesn't actually matter. No. Um. Like I mean, if you can be a Vince Carter who can do kind of both, go for it. But like, just I mean, it, it matters more that you're putting up points or making solid music than it does how it does. I like that comp even yeah. better because actually most of the best dunkers in the world aren't in the NBA. Actually. You'll, yeah, they actually have the show that they bring in the best dunkers in the world. I forget what it's called, but uh, and by in the world, I totally mean in the U.S. I don't think they have many yeah. international players. Maybe somebody from Canada or Maybe. something. But uh, yeah. these dunkers would easily win the slam dunk contest. But basketball is so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's putting all those skills together into the product, and it's the same yes. in music. All right. Um, I would like to transition to one more thing before favorite song, unless you had something else to add. But I would like to talk about um, the album cover. Yeah. Because I noticed something almost right away. I was like, wait, have I seen this album cover? Which I don't act like uh, that's going to sound like a bad thing. But if you actually look between Ways to Get Out and The Last Remaining Light, his two albums, they have a similar approach to them. Um, the easiest thing to point out is top right corner has this big circle. Yep. Um, the one and the new album's a little bigger. But there's almost this staged, slightly blurry look. Now he's in different areas, but if you look at almost this overlay of this, it's almost straight up. It's so hard to explain unless you're looking at them both. But you can kind of see it's almost like this gradient, but it's like I don't know. It to me it's it's interesting enough um that it's I don't know what to call it, but yeah, this gradient, kind of blurry gradient, if you will. Now, the background picture is very different uh, between the two, and the color palette is very different between the two. Um, I mean, still the white, heavy white. The white's big, but you're but, right, everything else. But yeah, besides that, like the last remaining light, which I love that as a title for this this cover, because there is a lot of light, but it's kind of blurring that light as it goes. Um, I love the album cover. In fact, I do like it more than Ways to Get Out just personally. Um, but I think it's interesting because to me, I think there's a lot of similarities. Maybe I'm crazy seeing that, but it really feels like somewhat similar to him finding his style. I feel like there's a visual uh, component that he's found that at least between these two albums is different as those album covers are. They don't feel like they're the same thing. But it seems like there's kind of a style that he might be settling into with how he wants album covers done. So that was at least my thoughts. Nate, did you have any thoughts about album cover? Yeah, I mean, just to uh, say a couple things. It's interesting how on the first record, the um, title is in the circle. And in the second record, mm-hmm. the circle's just blank. And, the t- yeah. and what's funny... Okay, I'm, maybe I'm piecing a lot together. Thanks for, like, bringing my attention. Yeah. So, looking intently at the second record, I wonder if that's, like, his childhood home where he grew up. Yeah. And it's, which, yeah. I mean, that's, like, such a safe assumption. I could be wrong, but, like, yeah. I'm not trying to act like that was this great detective work. But with yeah. these lyrics of, like, leaving home, almost like he's driving by or driving away yeah. from his home. And then even the lyrics, like, they're out of place. Like, they're not 
where they're supposed like they've left um and them not being in the circle anymore um yeah i just think what i kind of like to it looks almost like it's drawn with crayons it does it has a very waxy feel yeah which i really like um yeah i don't know which cover i like more but i like them both a lot and i really like the he has a different vinyl cover for ways to get out um which actually i'm gonna get up and uh show you as you talk because nobody will be able to see it besides you but um i would look up the vinyl cover if you haven't seen it it's really cool yeah that sounds great yeah i think we'll transition here then to favorite track um we could do first half second half i don't know what's helpful or not um getting into this i don't know if i have i have i have a guess i guess i'll do a guess but i don't i don't love my guess um for this nate did you want to guess Nate's the one um i'll guess i'll guess you're gonna say own just because of how you talked about it but i don't know yeah it is own it is own great job um uh this was a hard choice, but really, I think I think him going out on the limb with the guitars the way that he did, it being so different and uncharacteristic, yet it fits the style really well. It's not crazy for the style, it's just crazy for him and everything he'd established to that point. But that guitar, again, it's kind of this detuned guitar that bends down and bends back up. Um, if you listen, it's you can't miss it at all it's very obvious uh in my opinion it's in the first probably minute of the song um but then i really love how the rest of the song is fairly straightforward but like in a really good way and then i love the ending i think that that outro is just like i love the full ending to that probably to me i probably love the first minute for how crazy it is and i love the last minute for just how beautiful it is so um i mean it's it's only a, I guess it is five minutes. So um, that does not mean that there's three minutes I don't like, just for clarity. But um, I think that that's a great track. And what's interesting is I th- think that by that point, what makes Own even more unique is just the fact that by track seven um, out of ten tracks, you kind of feel like you've probably heard most of what the record will be like. And he throws kind of this curveball track. It is the longest track um, on the record, which is also interesting. But, um, yeah, I do love Own. All right. I'm going to guess for Nate and see what his favorite track is. Okay. Between a few. And Nate, how's I own the record, but I can't find it. I'll I'll just send you a picture. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny because you said you own the record. Did you try to do that after I picked Own as my favorite track? Oh, no, that was completely unintentional. Yeah, that was perfect. That, um, uh, man, I wish you gave me uh, um, something. Is that so you're sure it was unintentional? That was your answer? Or do you think that was just a choice? Uh, was, it like a, was it like a subconscious um, was, move? Is that what you're asking? Was it like an arbitrary task <laughs> that you had to do? Um, I don't know. Um, okay, I'm out of. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm out of things. I was trying to get your. Um, okay, my guess is gonna be first warning shot. Ooh. Is that your? Is that your favorite? Because I like that track a lot, and I want it to be your favorite. But you should also tell me what your actual favorite is. I really like first warning shot. Um, yeah. I would probably say own as well, but for okay. the sake of disagreeing and variance i would go with last remaining light um yeah and that's really good it's it was the first single and for me uh there was so much expectation with this record and i was very nervous because far caspian is at this heading into i mean I, it was already, Ways to Get Out was already, like I said, my favorite record of the decade so far. 
And I know we were only like two, two and a half beers in at that point. But it's just so much expectation when that's his only record. And then you're looking forward to a new one. And Last Remaining Light was like, hey, it's going to be okay. Like, who knows? You might not like this record as much as Ways to Get Out, but it's going to be good. And so I like think back to the first time I heard Last Remaining Light and just like, it made me very feel at ease that it was going to be a good record. Yes. yes, yes. I think, I think one of the, I don't want to reference another one, but like uh, another record you loved for last decade was Andy Schaff's The Party, and I remember um, his next record. I think gave you kind of more panic, like wow, is that not that it's a bad record, but just like, is The Party just going to be by far and away his best record for me? Yeah, and. I would I would say again it doesn't have to be favored or not but like between the two there's not this crazy big gap that like if you like his first record I'm sure you're going to love Last Remaining Light cuz I think it's a really good follow up and I really do appreciate him not playing it safe him doing some different stuff I think he's shown that he has maybe some more tricks up his sleeve and I mean is it too soon to ask for a third record, Nate? Is it ever too soon to ask for a third record from an incredible artist like Farcast? Well, some interesting an interesting detail on the Genius page uh, for the record is he said he started writing this record like two days after he finished the mixes yeah. for Ways to Get Out. So he's probably already done the third one and we could be <laughs> expecting... That within a year, I mean, he's he, we're thinking? he's probably already already has some vision for sure. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I mean, this came out two years after. I think two years is a good like that's a good pace. Yeah, um, in this day and age, nobody's doing one year consistently besides like uh, Lizard Gizzard Wizard. I forget. I forget the name yeah. of that band. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's only like a few few artists that are releasing yeah. annually, so I will gladly take two years. Yeah, I was gonna say honestly, it's not only is no one doing every year, but I would say industry standard is probably more than two years. Yeah, like it's probably two and a half. Like it's probably longer than two, but under three is probably about what you get. So. If he's right about on two years, I'll take it. Oh, yeah. Because that feels short. Um, so, All right. Any last thoughts or should we wrap it up? Uh, no, that's my last remaining thought. Ooh, that's perfect. I'm really well, looking for ways to get out of this episode. <laughs> should I wait for another? Uh... I would have to like read through all track names really quickly to give you something good. Yeah. Hey, it was a pretty good attempt. Yeah. I'd say, um, yeah, we're just, we're trying to find ways to reach you, the fans, in your house or if you're in a moon tower. I mean, that's that's brutal. That was, that was bad. For, uh, (laughs) sorry. Um, I was going to say something equally as stupid, but I'm going to hold my tongue. Sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I was just trying to follow the trend. Uh, brutal. I'm going to pretend that was funny. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend featuring Boyo. That was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, man. So I could, I could do this all day, but I should not. This is terrible. Yeah. So, Ways to Get Out was released on October 8th, 2021. Okay. And this was released mid-July. So, from a release standpoint, it's like one and three quarter years. Mm -hmm. And that was with him releasing a deluxe version of uh, Ways to Get Out in between. And what's funny is, for The Last Remaining Light, he already has like a deluxe version yeah sort of um i know the youtube version of the record has those songs i don't know if it's on itunes 
Um, I know the singles are on iTunes, but um, yeah. I forget what the songs are called. But he has, um, real quick, I'll, I have them right here. Yeah. Uh, so he has Heirloom Part 1 and Heirloom Part 2. Um, and they're on the YouTube version of the record. Um, so he already like almost has a deluxe version yeah. out. Yeah. But um, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, good for him. He's putting out really good music and at a fast pace. I have zero complaints. Um, and uh, we hope you also have zero complaints. We hope that you are enjoying this record by Far Caspian. We would love to hear your thoughts on this record. Did you already have background? Is this your first listen through a Far Caspian record? What are your thoughts? Uh, favorite track? Uh, just, just anything you'd like to tell us about your experience with this record. Um, I think it's a great one. It probably won't be the only time we mention this record this year since we do end-of-the-year recaps. I have a feeling it might show up uh, in uh, maybe maybe a list or something at the end of the year. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a great record. We hope you enjoyed. Please reach out to us on our socials. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at LDLpod. And you can also email us at listening at gmail.com. And uh, now that I said that, we should probably check our email and see if Far Caspian emailed us his next record because that would be pretty great. All right. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. So I, uh, my headphones, they were like not working well the other day. Everything sounded kind of distant. And so instead of listening to far Caspian, I listened to close Caspian and it sounded a lot better.